All right. Hello, everybody. I survived the onslaught of day one. This is Ryan Selkis, a.k.a. Two-Bit Idiot on Twitter, here, as promised, for day two of ETH Denver, for anyone that might have FOMO uh, and wasn't able to actually join. So uh, it's been a, a phenomenal group of folks here. I'm excited to kick off day two of these conversations with Sam Cassett, Chief Strategy Officer at Consensus. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, try to cram as much into 20, 30 minutes as possible. But um, I think maybe the most topical thing that, that folks might be wondering, uh, Sam, and, and you've kind of, in some respects, I'm sure you've not enjoyed this part of your job, but turned into like uh, Chief Crisis Communications Officer <laughs> for, for at least this, uh, this, this short-term period. But um, I think that there's been a lot of misinformation on the one hand about Consensus 2.0, um, but just general uncertainty about uh, the consensus experiment and what's next. Has this been sustainable? Was it you know, too scattered? Is, is, um, how's the culture changed or, or, or not internally? Um, so we can cover a bunch, but uh, I guess you know, for starters, uh, we'd love to just get like the quick backstory uh, of, of how, how we even got to this point because you guys basically started out of, out of a broom closet, like four people. It's grown. It's grown into this, you know, behemoth in, in, in the industry, and particularly with Ethereum, it's, it's uh, the most influential organization. Uh, you could argue. So, um, so sure. how how did we get here? Yeah. So it started um, about like four years ago or so. Um, Joe, me, a couple other people, as you said, sitting in a very small co-working space, uh, climbing over each other in, in Brooklyn, deep Brooklyn. And at that time, you know, this is very early 2015, late 2014, uh, Ethereum had just been invented. I think we were on proof of concept number five of Ethereum, right? A lot of people said, this is ambitious, that you can't even do what, what Ethereum uh, came to do. Um, and so we, we were sort of in the very early days looking at, okay, we see Snapchat, we see Facebook, we see all of these applications, right, like that, that now are coming to fruition, like, like decentralized finance, like Compound is here, Maker is here, etc. Um, we saw that stuff happening and, and even more, but, you know, it's a little bit, I like to say, like 1991, right? And there's, we know that this HTTP protocol is going to be really amazing. You know, we know that the internet will be built out of this thing, but all you have is the protocol. We didn't have a browser, we didn't have a web server, we certainly didn't have Amazon web services with load balancers, etc. So how do you go from zero to the entire ecosystem? That's that's the question that we set out to solve with consensus. And so I was in there in the early days helping structure how we did that. And you know we thought trying to make a company that makes 40 different products is not a good idea, right? I don't know a single startup company that did that that was successful. Um, we felt it was too early for a fund, even though there were some very you know trailblazing funds out there at the time. Um, doing kind of Bitcoin oriented stuff, you know, it seemed too early to just hand millions of dollars to a number of different teams that would have all had to build a web browser, they would have all had to build MetaMask, they all would have had to build Infura, etc. So, uh, how do you do that all at once, right? And we ended up somewhere in between at a venture studio and said, well, let's build a company that builds companies, let's get everyone under one roof, and so they can synergistically build stuff, right? Like Infura, didn't come out of us saying, well, we need to build things exactly like Infura and we'll hire a team to do it. It came out of our engineers saying, we need a scalable DevOps backend for our Ethereum applications. We built it because we needed it for other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, MetaMask as well, like we needed it for other stuff. There was a team working on it, but what it is now came out of synergies with the consensus itself. Mm -hmm. So um, that was basically our business model. 
uh, in the early days. And what was the Venture Studio inspiration? Because it's a, it is a unique model. Yeah. So there aren't that many Venture Studios around. Um, in the 90s, there was Idea Lab, no gross. Mm -hmm. uh, so we looked to that for inspiration. Um, you know, one of the most successful ones uh, is actually Twitter came out of a, a venture studio, even though they kind of abandoned all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, maybe Betaworks is, is a, a more common example, or Prehype, which is based in New York. Mm -hmm. you know, there are these companies that actually they do similar stuff to us, where um, they have they have a lot of expertise in a certain area. They hire people that work in that area. They partner with big corporates, governments, etc., to build products, which is exactly what we do with things like you know, Congo, which is one of our platforms, Web3 Files, our partner with AMD, etc. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, a simultaneous looking at how to build a, a set of portfolios that are complementary portfolio companies, and then leveraging those for partnerships and bigger things in partnership with corporates. Um, so, those kind of models are what we do. Um, so, you know, we, we zoom out, uh, the model, uh, I, I think, clearly worked in, in many respects um, because you didn't necessarily know what was going to stick, but you knew that there was a ton of infrastructure and a ton of different moving pieces that, that, that had to ultimately fit together. Um, the, the flip side is during the insane bull run that we had, um, you were able to hire a lot of people, work on even more projects right, than, than were originally getting incubated. And then 2018 rolls around, knocks the wind out of you know, so many folks in the industry, but, but certainly consensus being one of them. Um, I think the culture that had, had been built up around consensus, this collaborative, uh, meshy culture, which you know, is, is, is kind of the, the, the running uh, joke about how everybody kind of feels the same uh, um, type of environment, regardless of which continent they're on, uh, yep. given how many different satellites are. Um, when did you guys recognize you were going to need to make some structural changes? Because I, I feel like um, I was only there in, in the absolute peak insanity as an, as an entrepreneur resident in Q4 of 17. But even at that point, there were kind of the, the beginning conversations about, okay, what comes next? And I feel like people misunderstood the consensus 2.0 rollout as this totally reactive market-driven thing, which... Maybe the announcement coincided, and maybe the, the, um, the band-aid got ripped off due yeah. to the, the downturn, but a lot of this was in motion. So, so walk through that kind of period that I don't think many people appreciate of January 2018 up until when, when some of these decisions were communicated. Sure. Uh, yeah, so obviously, end of 2017, early 2018, everything's riding pretty high. You know, we had launched a bunch of tokens. We had Token Foundry uh, doing that. Um, yeah, but the market started to change a little bit, right? And, and rightfully so, right? A lot of, there were a lot of scams in the market, et cetera. The market matured to the point where I think people uh, had gotten a little bit off the high of token fever, et cetera. And, and we started thinking about, okay, you know, we have a number of normal looking businesses that contest in our portfolio, right? You know, Infura is a normal business. Um, Kaleido is a normal business. It looks like a venture back startup company, right? And those things, those provide a lot of value for us, um, but the market certainly started to shift away from um, some of the some of the token-based business models, not all of them. Um, and so, any any person you know with eyes can look at that and, and see yeah. <laughs> that we need to change uh, the shape. We're getting photo bombed, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great photo. Come bomb. come 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 it's in the middle here. It's corn. With uh, with with uh, a nice appearance here in the middle of. <laughs> 
Um, fantastic. Um, so, <laughs> what were we even talking about? I don't know. Buffercorns. <laughs> uh, so just so you know, buffercorns are uh, mythical creatures from Denver, where Denver is uh, sort of like a buffalo. I just found that out. Anyway, so um, uh, anyone looking at this, this market landscape realizes that you have to shift this a little bit. Um, and what we also started realizing is that we had had our solutions business, right, which is our consulting arm of our company. For a very long time, we've, we've seen this as a way to to get the market to understand this technology, to make sure that enterprises, governments are using Ethereum, uh, et cetera. But we started to kind of pivot away from the notion that this is only a way for us to gain market entry and to actually get the market. And more looking at, now that the market is mature, how can we structure this into a business that captures all the enterprise value that's possible, mm -hmm. right? And solutions, by the way, makes tens of millions of dollars for yeah. you. They that's do. that's the largest business in the consensus family. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's a serious revenue generating business already. Um, and I think what's even more interesting than a very serious revenue generating business that serves as a sales channel for our, our spoke companies and, and a way to educate the market is a serious revenue company that looks more of a more like an enterprise software company, right? Mm -hmm. And so while we have all these spoke companies that are doing you know that are addressing certain markets the larger enterprise market has now matured. And so how do you make a company, uh, I like to compare it to an Oracle maybe, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, Oracle, they have the best relational database around. You have to have a services organization around this thing to sell it. Because like, you know, you can't buy an IBM mainframe off the shelf and plug it in. There has to be a service around it to be able to sell it. Uh, but at the same time, we realize that we can capture that enterprise value by turning that into something that looks more like a, a software company with the best enterprise Ethereum stack that exists, right? Mm -hmm. And this is also related to our Web3 Cloud project with, with AMD, where our Pegasus client, which is our, our Ethereum client written in Java, which enterprises like, it implements everything in Ethereum 2.0, and it also implements a lot of other things that enterprises might want in their data center that they're used to having in their data center. So it can connect to all the AWS services, AWS Lambda, storage, et cetera. It can plug in different consensus algorithms. It can plug in different things that um, that different organizations might want. Um, and that serves the larger vision that I think, the real vision here is there's there's a, an Ethereum mainnet, right? There, there's a blockchain mainnet. And there are a plethora of private instances, semi-private instances that sit behind that. Just like today, the internet sits in front of the firewall. There's a whole bunch of stuff that sits behind the firewall. Mm -hmm. Pegasus is our attempt to make that thing that sits both inside and outside the firewall, right? It can connect to mainnet Ethereum 2.0. It can also connect to a divergent set of backend topologies I'm sure we haven't seen all of yet. Um, and so, how do you make an enterprise stack around that? Kaleido is our, our project that uh, is on AWS right now. That's a, a turnkey enterprise blockchain solution. Things like Infura, um, our identity solutions, we're packaging that all together, and we're making that look more like a that um, is a little bit more typical uh, rather, than, rather than a services company. So that's a big part of what we're doing with Consensus 2.0 is capturing as much value as we can in that organization that is Consensus Solutions while simultaneously making sure we stay on the cutting edge of decentralized finance and the weird stuff that I can't even think of because I'm too old uh, or dumb compared to the, you know, the, the middlers uh, in this world. So there's, there's two components. Um, 
that I think were very impacted by this transition uh, that, that we should talk about. So, so one is token foundry, which maybe it's in a separate conversation, and, and some of the uh, consensus capital um, uh, initiatives, which I'm not sure how much of a priority those still are in, in consensus 2.0. And then there's just the broad swath of, of uh, application developers that now are in this process of, I guess, transitioning out or, or trying to raise their own capital. Um, so why don't we start with the latter first, because uh, I'm sure that was the, the tougher uh, message to communicate, and, and, and you know, certainly um, you know, had some stories written about it, and you guys had, had responded in kind. Um, how have you managed that transition? Because I, I feel like when I first read the stories, my impression was, shit, these teams are fucked, because consensus is 50% of the business, and now they're going to spin them out, and no one's going to want to fund that. So uh, I learned subsequently that actually wasn't the structure um, because you guys recognize it will cripple these businesses. So, so walk through that process, how you decided which would stay in the venture production studio versus which kind of got the kick in the ass and said, all right, it's time to graduate um, and, and sink or swim. Uh, as, sure. as gently as possible, right? <laughs> but I mean, let's, let's, let's not mince words, right? I mean, yeah, at some point you gotta deliver something of value and, and especially in, in these market conditions, um, you know, let's, let's, see, let's see what you can do. And, and it, it's, it's a hell of a forcing function. Yeah, so I don't know that I have a good across the board answer because every, every situation is different. Mm -hmm. um, and we've spent a lot of time considering those decisions and they're not easy. Um, but in general, Consensus 2.0 is about excellence. It's about having maturity of the business models and the entrepreneurs and, and the, the companies in our portfolio. And so, um, in a way, we saw that as a forcing function. And, and like you said, you know, a lot of what we did was design it a little bit like an accelerator in terms of the way that we, we structured our relationship with those, those companies. Um, and on the converse, I want to point out too, some companies are we're actually bringing more into our fold, right? Because they're part of they're part of this enterprise Ethereum stack that, that we're talking about, and, and where we see them as having some kind of strategic, outsized, synergistic value with the rest of what we're doing. What are some examples? Um, so, like you know, Kaleido, for instance, right? We, we don't we don't really want Kaleido to run out and uh, you know pivot their business model away from. The structure that makes sense for, for us in, in consensus 2.0, right? Um, they can, and you know, the consensus is a very fluid organization, and people can do what they want. But um, but you know, some some things ended up coalescing into a stack, I guess, and some things are more businesses that need to be able to stand on their own two feet. And I think pretty much across the board, we just said, you know, let's let's make everything stand on its own feet, and we'll help you do that. Um, but that's always been our thing. Consensus, a company that builds companies that go get external financing has always been our plan. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, for every company that you do see spin out of Consensus, there are lots of experiments that have uh, not been successful. And so, I think the only thing we really did was sort of codify and maybe speed up a little bit what we already do. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think I don't think there was a well. This one is not that good. This one is good. It was. It was more. Which things do we want to pull in tighter into that stack, and which things do we want to have the same standards of excellence across the board? And all, like all the companies basically need to step up and, and uh, make sure that they're performing. But many of them are. 
Is consensus capital still a core component of the business, or has it been de-emphasized? Because I know there's been some personnel uh, changes at, at the top of multiple units there. Um, sure. Um, so consensus capital has always just been sort of a, a, a moniker under which we do a number of activities. Um, and those activities are still ongoing. So like uh, venture capital, for instance, uh, we're still making venture capital investments. That's sort of on one end of the spectrum of what we do. And Kavita, by the way, is a notable exception uh, <laughs> to, to, to turn over there. True. Um, yeah, so we're still doing that. We're still deploying capital uh, in a pure way. Um, and, you know, we would also put Token Foundry probably under that uh, umbrella. Mm -hmm. Token Foundry obviously needs to change its, its uh, way it approaches the market now, given mm -hmm. that tokens are a different thing now than they were a year ago or so. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, We've built a lot of muscle in that in that team, uh, and I know you were just on a, a panel criticizing the security tokens. But you know, we we do believe that security tokens and other kinds of financial instruments that are um, tokenized in general are going to be a big focus of ours and will be a big focus of the industry. So that team, I think, is focusing more on that now, but it's still a pretty critical component of how we're approaching the market. To be clear, I'm skeptical on security tokens of, of existing security-like assets um, uh, because uh, I, I, I question how much more incremental liquidity there is uh, versus in the, the traditional rails. But what is interesting is if you can create new types of, of synthetic instruments that are securities but that just don't exist. Um, so could you create uh, a, a global risk pool and then you know, sell securitized interests and that, you know, almost like a new type of, of, of mutualized insurance? Could you do um, an actually legal DAO yeah. uh, token, right? So, so there, there certainly are instruments that, that make sense, but um, do you think uh, Token Foundry and, and those teams internally uh, that are considering token issuances at this point, um, is the consumer asset thesis maybe not dead, but in, uh, in a holding pattern until the market matures a bit and, and recovers? Yeah, so I guess that's fair to say. Um, there are very specific things that are consumer tokens, uh, and that you know all the smart lawyers we can find agree on, and you know we think the SEC agrees on, etc. So, you know, for instance, our our um, our civil token. I think maybe we you know we designed it very carefully, maybe too carefully, but but uh, you know that's something that we're going to sell over time. It'll be sort of a rolling sale. Um, and that thing very clearly has a real use case, you know, even even at, at the very beginning, and you can't really use it for speculation. So, you know, the, in our belief, there is a place for those in the market, uh, but obviously they're not as huge in the market right now as, as they were. Um, Civil to me was kind of like a, an emperor has no clothes moment. Um, and this is, by the way, this isn't a criticism of, of, of Civil, the team, or, or the way that the token was constructed. Um, but in my eyes, looking at that project, it it seemed like an indictment of all token issuances and kind of like a confirmation that, that none of this was about utility yeah. <laughs> in 2017 and 2018 because the, the speed limits and kind of restrictions on the civil token yeah. um, were designed to make it specifically about utility, hard to speculate on. And lo and behold, <laughs> no one showed up, right, for, for the 1.0. So, um, so how do you think about bootstrapping tokens when there isn't that initial glut of capital that could flood uh, the market and, and, and 
offering that's not a staff Sure. I mean, I think for for things that are specific, like protocol tokens, uh, we do view them as consumer products, and you know, there are all kinds of reasons why you might want to pre-buy a consumer product. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for security tokens, I, I I agree with you that there is a a design space that has not 